If you have a copy of God's Word, would you uh, turn to Colossians? Turn to Colossians. And today, uh, we are going to continue our study. We're back into our study verse by verse through the book of Colossians. Today, you'll find our text in chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Verses 24 through 29. And as we begin to look at this text, I want to ask you a question. And, and so, so here, here we go. If, if a uh, political official, let's just say a congressman who you like, we've got to preface that, right? Uh, if, if a congressman uh, who you like and you, who you support called you up and said, I would like for your help. We, we have a lot of things to do. I, I could use you. I would love to have you on my team. Would you step up? Most likely, if we receive that kind of a, an invitation, a personal invitation, and, and grasp the weight of, of, the, of what could happen and the need, that we would say, yeah, I will give to that. I will serve that cause. I will uh, be a part of that. We would be eager to do so. We'd be eager to use whatever we could do for the advancement of that cause. How much more should we be eager and willing to use our time and talents and efforts to the service of King Jesus, the one who has called us and redeemed us into salvation, who has sacrificed himself for us, empowered us by his own spirit, and has asked us to serve him. It's convicting, isn't it? Like, you're like, all right, Bob, we're good. That's, that's enough. Oh, there's more. If you know Christ as your Savior, do you realize that you're a minister? The idea of minister is not just for those who are, are called into full-time service or, or go to seminary or receive that education or have pastor before their name. No, all of us are ministers or servants of Jesus Christ. If we uh, know Him and love Him, we are called into service in fact, our text that we're going to look at today, Paul calls himself, and your Bible translation may have minister or it may have servant. Those two words are, are pretty interchangeable throughout the New Testament. What often is translated into English as minister comes from the same word that we get deacon from, which the root word of deacon is a table servant. It is a servant. We are all called to serve Christ. We're all gifted to serve Christ. And so today, as we look at this text, I want us to ask the question, what does it look like to be a faithful servant, a faithful minister in Christ? And more than what does it look like? As we go through this text, I want you to continually ask yourself, how should I be serving Christ? If you have that text, look with me, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 24 and read to the end of the chapter. Colossians 1, verse 24, this is God's Word. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up, filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body, that is, the church. 
of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh, Father, we thank You for the redemption that You have made possible through Jesus. Lord, what a privilege it is that You have saved us. I pray, Father, that this morning, as we look to Your Word, as we look to the truths and the principles contained within Your Word, that You would help all of us realize the greatness and the joy of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And that as we look to that, Father, we would be moved to serve You. Lord, I pray that this morning You help us not just in an academic study of what Your Word says, but by the power of Your Holy Spirit that is present with us within this room, that You would call each of us to faithfulness, call each of us to service, that, Father, that as I speak, Your Spirit would be speaking into each individual's heart, that You would be convicting of us of our sin, rebuking of us of our slothfulness, and empowering us, giving us uh, encouragement to serve You. We want to be good servants. Help us this morning, Father, to show us through your text how we may be. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Let us see Christ in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's been a few weeks, but if you remember back, Colossians chapter 1, Paul jumps right in and uh, he begins with um, correcting what we call in the, the doctrinal theological world the Colossian heresy. And so there is some false teaching that the church um, has latched onto, and we don't know exactly what this is. There's a lot of different hypotheses of, of what exactly this could be that Paul is writing to correct. But what we do know for sure is that we can see certain aspects of it by the, the arguments that he lays out and what he chooses. And one of those things is that Jesus Christ Christ is lesser than God. That was what the, what the false teachers that had come into the church were teaching. And so if you remember in chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, Paul lays out an incredibly powerful set of argumentation about the preeminence of Jesus Christ in all things. That we can never think too much of Jesus for who He is is wonderful and great and powerful and majestic. And He is 
through and over all things. And He is to be worthy of all the glory and all of the honor that we could ever possibly give Him. Amen? And so Paul writes and he lays this out and he's, he's been uh, worked up almost thinking about Jesus and, and what it means to be a minister of Jesus. In fact, he ends in verse 23 after speaking about Jesus and his power and, and who he is. And he goes to 23. If you look at the end of it, uh, he has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul looks to Christ and he thinks of the power and the wonderful and the the amazement of Jesus Christ. And he says, of this, I have been made a minister. I've been made a servant. It's the same word here that's translated elsewhere as servant. And for all of us, if we have realized the importance and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ, That He alone is the Son of God. He alone is the Messiah. He alone is the one who has come and paid for your sin. He alone is the the source of redemption. He alone is the source of life. And He wants you to be His minister. He wants you to serve Him. If you know that, it's an overwhelming thing, isn't it? To think that the God of all creation loves me, He has redeemed me, and He has something for me. What an amazing thought. What an amazing thing. And for everyone who is in Christ, you are called to be a servant. You're called to be a disciple, one who follows, one who has given a task. The question is, are we doing that task? Are we servants? Are we servants? That's the topic of this text today that I want us to look at. And a great miracle is going to happen in your midst this morning. Within 27 minutes, we're going to go through eight topics. (laughs) All right? So hold on, okay? Because there are eight things that I want to highlight. There is eight things in this text that Paul writes about as he thinks about what it means to be a minister, what it means to be a servant. What is it that we're serving? What does it mean? And there's, there's eight things here. So we got work to do, right? Let's roll up the sleeves. The first thing is, is that we can see the source of the ministry. When we look at this text, we can see the source of the ministry. And this call comes from Paul's statement here where he says, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I which became a minister. You see, the source of the ministry is not because Paul had an education. It's not because he had an ability. It was not because of his grades. It was not because of his pastor. It was not because of his desires. What made him a minister was the sovereign call of God upon his life to call him unto himself and to call him as a servant. And friends, if we share that, we too are servants. If Jesus has called you unto salvation, if you believe in Him and have trusted Him into salvation, it is not so that you can sit back and be passive. It is so now you can serve Him. Are you serving? If God has called you to salvation, He has called you to be a servant. It's plain and simple. Right? We wouldn't argue with this point. It, we know this. 
But at the same time, do we see ourselves as a servant? Think about all of the times that Paul writes and, and others in the New Testament write, and they, they define themselves, right? If, if I were to ask you, who are you? There's lots of ways by which we might define ourselves. If you've served in the military, uh, most likely you're very proud of that. And one of the first things that you would mention is, I'm a veteran, right? Perhaps um, you would define yourselves based upon your, uh, your career. We have lots of individuals here that have done some very interesting things. I, I always tell people when, I, when they find out that, that I live here in Titusville and, and next to NASA and all the space launches, we, we talk about some of the interesting careers that I hear that, that some of you have done. And you should be proud of that. You worked hard and you've done some very important and amazing things. And so you might say, I am, and say what your career is or, or what you've been. Or perhaps you're very proud of uh, an achievement um, in school. I, I earned a master's degree. I have a doctorate. Sometimes we define ourselves by, um, by uh, things that we love right? Like certain activities can define our whole lifestyle. I'm a biker, right? Like we can, we can define ourselves by our activities even. When you read through the New Testament, you find over and over again that when asked who they are, when giving a presentation of who they are, Paul and the other apostles and the other people, they call themselves what? Servants. So much so as even Paul calls himself a bondservant, a, a slave to Jesus. Friends, all of us are servants to Christ if we have been called under Him and we are in Him and we've come to salvation in Him. You are a servant of Christ. Now, this is, this is your pop quiz, okay? What is it that you think a servant is supposed to do? Sir, you all passed. This is amazing. This is great. You didn't even know that was coming. If we've been called into salvation, the source of our ministry is because we see ourselves as a servant. The second thing that we see in this text is the spirit of ministry. The spirit of ministry. And it's one word here that Paul says. Paul says that the spirit of his ministry is rejoicing. Look at verse 24. I rejoice. And you say, well, that's good and well. When things are going, going great, it's easy to rejoice. Well, keep reading. I rejoice in my sufferings. Now, Christians so often can be some of the most non rejoicing, disappointed, and pastors also. I mean, I just came from a conference with other pastors, and part of the things that you do, it's good to send your pastor to a conference because he often will get around pastors that, that have things a lot worse than what he's experiencing, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's not so bad where I'm at. But often we can get into this ho-hum, uh, you know, gloom and doom, everything's so bad. Paul says, I rejoice because I'm a servant. I rejoice in this ministry. And Paul's situation wasn't one that would think that you would be rejoicing in. No. Paul suffered a lot. Paul, in fact, says, I rejoice in my suffering. He, he rejoices in what's happening. Why? 
because he's living supernaturally. He's living as though there is something more meaningful than what you experience right now in this life. And if we are in Christ, if we know who Jesus is, if we understand that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, if we understand that this right now that we experience on this earth should be struggle, it should be toil, because we are travelers, we are aliens, we're, we're not home yet, heaven awaits us, then we have joy. We can experience whatever the hardship is in this life with joy and hope and trust in Christ for what will come. Amen? The spirit of your service should be joy. The spirit of the service within the church should be joy. The spirit of your pastor, (laughs) this is challenging, should be joy. It is a joy to serve King Jesus. Amen? It is a joy. The third thing, and let me go back to the joy. Perhaps you're not joyful. Perhaps sometimes what can happen is we can become very bitter at the church. We can become very moody at the church. We can become to where we're trying to parse every single word said by every single person, everything that the pastor says, and we're looking for something to bother us. Let me ask you if that's your heart, if you feel that way, are you serving? Because what I've noticed is most of the time complainers aren't servers. When you're serving and you're in ministry and you roll up your sleeves and you're doing something, you're doing your part, you're doing what God has created you and gifted you and called you to do, those people tend to not be complainers. They might spot issues. They might spot problems. But they're not complainers. They're servants. They don't don't want to complain about a problem. They want to serve a problem. Are you a servant? Third, Paul talks about the suffering of ministry, the suffering of ministry. And so in verse 24, he continues, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. And then he goes on to explain it for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Now, that's a strange statement. What's Paul saying here? I'm filling up the afflictions of Christ in my own body. Is he saying that, that, that Jesus' death on the cross wasn't sufficient to pay for everything that needed to be? No, that's not what he's saying. That's, that's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying is, is I re- I'm a minister. I am enduring hardship. It is difficult But I rejoice even in the hardship, even in the imprisonments, even in the beatings, even in the shipwrecks, even in and fill in the blank as you read about the life of Paul because he had a lot of even thens. I rejoice because I'm filling up affliction that was meant for Jesus. Here's kind of a picture of of what he's saying quickly. He's saying, Jesus is not physically here. But there's still people who hate him. 
The world still, for the most part, rejects Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ were here today proclaiming the message that we proclaim from the Bible, the affliction that we suffer as Christians, that which Paul was enduring would have been poured out on Jesus. He's saying, I rejoice in the fact that I'm worthy to even suffer for affliction and suffering that's meant for Jesus because of his gospel. Do you get that? Boy, it's a different way to reframe it, isn't it? Instead of, oh, poor is me, they don't like me. Paul looks at it and says, they don't like me because they don't like Jesus. Boy, that changes the way, not only that you internalize what's happening to you, but it changes the way that you feel about others and your desire and your zeal to make Jesus known to them. Realize the world rejects you because it rejects Christ. So he's saying, I'm, I'm suffering. I rejoice because I'm suffering because what was, what's meant for Jesus, I am counted worthy to take that upon myself. The second thing that he says here is that all, he rejoices because all of this is being done to build up the church, to build up the body. There's always a, a price to pay. There's suffering to be built. Uh, I've talked this week as we went to the state convention and, and talked with, with quite a few church planters. Our, our state is doing a huge initiative for South Florida to, to bring in church planters. The, the, there are so few churches in South Florida. It's amazing to hear the statistics and hear the numbers. There's so many people, and I heard a wonderful testimony this week about uh, a church planner from South Florida. He said, he said the people in South Florida, they're, they're, not, they're not against the gospel. It's just never really been preached down there. It's never, there's not been enough churches to really touch and influence the lives of people. And we go down there and we serve them, and they're like curious. Why would you do such a thing? And they say, because we love Jesus and we love you. It, it, it's amazing to think of, right? And so I uh, talked to many church planners this week. All of them, as much as God is blessing and as much as they're given to the work, it, it's difficult. There's a, a suffering involved to, to build up the church. There's a the suffering to, to proclaim the gospel. And there's external sufferings. There's internal suffering. If you look at the life of Paul, he was plagued not only by beatings and shipwrecks and imprisonments, but he was also plagued internally by the, the bickering amongst the brothers, by the false teachers that would come in, by carnal Christians who wouldn't live according to what they said that they believed. All of this weighed heavy on him, and it weighs heavy on us. But if we're a servant, we're to rejoice and press on and know that by our service, we are serving the Lord and building up the church. The, the fourth thing is the scope of the ministry. The scope of the ministry. Look at verse 25. Paul goes on in verse 25, and, and he says this. He says that, that he's doing all of this, all this is happening to fulfill the Word of God, or uh, a literal translation would say um, to give full scope to the Word of God. And, and this, is a, this is kind of a, a tricky um, translation. He's not just talking about preaching here. Um, in its, in, 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 if you read it in the original language, it's, it's talking about giving himself to what God has called him to. 
giving full scope, giving my effort, giving my life. And there's, there's lots of uh, interpretations that you can read about in commentaries. You know, some say that it's, it's trying to be obedient to the Word of God. Others say it's to manifest God's truth in His life, um, to preach the gospel faithfully, um, to preach the, the whole counsel of God, to spread the, the gospel to the whole world. And, and I would say it's all of that. What Paul is talking about as he says this is he says, God has given me a ministry. And he's given me a vision and he's given me a calling and he's given me a scope in which he's placed me and gifted me. And I want to do that. This is the spray zone right here. (laughs) I want to do that. Friends, if you are in Christ... If you've believed in Him, He hasn't just called you to sit on the bench. He hasn't just called you and left you and said, you know what, you're saved and you love Jesus and that's awesome and so just hang on right there. I'm going to come back one day. He's called you into a family in which He's called you to serve. More than that, He's gifted you. Every one of us, Every one of us who are called into the family of Christ, every one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, who have trusted in Him as our Savior, every one of us have been also gifted with gifts, spiritual gifts that we can use within the body, that we are to use within the body to serve Him, for it to be a place of service. And and your scope is different than my scope. The Bible talks about that. It talks about that He's gifted us all differently with different spiritual gifts that we might serve Him. He talks about the, the illustrations of, of the body of the church being made up of a, of a physical human body, right? And so some of you are a hand, some of you are a feet, some of us are a mouth. You might be the pinky toe, but you're still a part of the body. And if you're not serving, even if you're the pinky toe... I would notice if my pinky toe's missing. He's called us to serve. He's given all of us a scope. He's gifted us. He's empowered you. There are certain things in this life that you see, that you hear. There's needs that you feel that I might not. I would argue that might be the area that God's called you to serve in. You say, well, pastor, I don't know where a place is for me here. Well, let's talk about it. Let's find out what is the scope. What is it that God has called you to? What is it that, in, that, that has your passion? What is it that's motivated you? And you? I don't know. Well, let's just start plugging you in some places and see what sticks. You say, pastor, I'm, I, I used to serve. I used to do that. I can't do this anymore. Well, we got things that you can do. We need lots of prayer. Can you dedicate yourself to that? Can you dedicate your... How can you serve? There are other ways to serve than just with your hands. We need that, but we need whatever it is that God has placed in your life as your scope of ministry, of your scope of serving Him. Are you doing it? Paul says, this is the aim of my life, to fulfill this. If you're still here, God still has something for you. Fifth, the subject of the ministry. The subject of the ministry. Look at verse 26. 
In, in verse 26, he, he, what's the heart of the message that Paul's preaching here? What is the, the heart of, of the, the ministry of serving? Verse 26, he says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God has chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What's this mystery? What's the mystery in Colossians? What's the mystery that, that Paul says that it's all about? What's the mystery that's the basis and the heart and the root of his ministry of what he's trying to do? Christ, what? In you. This is the mystery The mystery is that in the Old Testament, a Messiah was going to come, and it was misinterpreted. They thought that a Messiah was going to come, a political leader, one who was going to restore Israel, one who was going to bring everything back, usher in the kingdom of God. What the mystery was that was hidden from them but revealed to you is that the Messiah will live in you. He will empower you. And friends, this is the gospel. This is what we believe. We believe that if we uh, love Jesus, that if we have been called to salvation, that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, indwells us. It empowers us. It helps us. It comforts us. There's all these things that we could get into. But the heart of it is this. It's a mystery, isn't it? That Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, how much more sense does it make that we should be serving Him? That we should be serving Him? Sixth, the style of the ministry. Look at verse 28. It says, Him, Christ, we proclaim... And here it comes. Here's how we do this. How do we proclaim Christ? How do we preach Christ? There's a negative and there's a positive. It says, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus. And so what's the style of ministry? What's the style of teaching? What's the style of of serving Christ, of of proclaiming the message, of, of, of teaching this mystery of Christ in you? And Paul says that there's a negative and that there's a positive. That in one essence, we have to say sin is wrong. And we have to encourage, trust in Jesus, be forgiven, love Him. Uh, it reminds me of my, one of my favorite pastoral passages in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, uh, little children, do not sin. You're like, okay, that's easy, right? But if you do, know that you have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's the heart of the message is that, that we want to, to encourage each other, don't sin. Turn from sin. Turn from wickedness. Also turn from Christ. Turn, or just turn, whoo, turn to Christ. There's so many ministries, air quotes, so many that you hear today that have a, a positive message. We all want to have a positive message. We want to be seen as having a, a positive message. One famous pastor was on a, a national television news show a few years ago, 
And he was asked by the, the news anchor, why do you never talk about sin? And he said, well, I just want to encourage people to do God's best for them. It's got to be both. Paul says, Paul says that there's truth and we must uphold the truth and we must rebuke and we must gently but firmly say this is wrong. This is the wrong way to live. These are the wrong decisions to make. This is against God's Word. This is not good for your life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should have no part in this. And at the same time, we should be encouraging and, infer and affirming and, and, and telling people, trust in Christ, turn from your sin, trust in Him, serve Him, live for Him. You can do this. God will empower you. God will strengthen you. But there has to be both. There is no good news without a bad news. The bad news is, is that in your sin, you deserve death, wrath, punishment, hell. That's the bad news, is that we've all sinned. We all deserve that because God is holy and just. And we've sinned against Him. Just as if you've broken a law from the courts and a judgment is going to come. But the good news is, is that God knew that we couldn't take care of that ourselves and He sent Jesus. Amen? Jesus came and He lived for you. More than that, Jesus died for you. He was raised to life that you could have hope in Him and trust in Him. If you believe in Him, your sins will be forgiven. That's the message, but we, we have to, there has to be the negative and there has to be the positive. It's not because we hate you. It's not because we're angry at you. It's because we want to see you live for Christ. That's what we want to see. Seventh, the sum of ministry. The sum of ministry, S-U-M, the, the sum of it. Verse 28, that we might present everyone mature in Christ. We are called to make disciples. We're called to be disciples and to make disciples. We are disciples that make disciples. We are to reproduce that which our goal is. That's tough, right? That's, that's I'm not there yet. I'm trying, but I want to take you with me. That's the heart of the Christian life. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. And this is Paul's aim. Paul says, my ministry, my service to the church, my service to Christ is that by serving others, I might help see them grow in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, as your pastor, as my own heart, there is nothing that excites me more than seeing individuals hunger and thirst for the Word of God, to begin to grow in the Word of God, to begin to grow in their obedience and their faithfulness to them, to, to come and to, to serve and say, I want to be a part and to see God working in their life. Isn't that amazing? I don't think I said that passionate enough. <laughs> You're going to make me go over if I have to repeat all these. What an amazing thing to see life and love for Christ. It's like the joy of seeing a, a new baby and a new birth. And this is my prayer for all of you as a, as a pastor. And this should be your prayer for others that you serve. Are you serving anyone right now? Are you serving anyone? Are you praying for them? Are you speaking into their life? Perhaps they physically need help. Perhaps they're, they're elderly and they need help and care. Perhaps they're young and they need care. Perhaps they're young in Christ. They might be old and young in Christ and they, they need love and care and guidance and encouragement. And you're seeing them grow and you're helping them in maturity that they might become more like Jesus. 
There is no greater joy than to serve that. There is no greater joy than to serve that. And Paul says, this is the reason why I am a servant. This is the reason that I rejoice. This is the reason that I suffer. This is the reason that I give full scope to that which God has called me to do. This is the reason that I I go everywhere teaching Christ in you and warning people that I might touch some and that I might complete my ministry and that they might grow and they might mature in Jesus. And if it weren't for the last point, I would be so overwhelmed that I might just resign. Because this is a big task. And the last point is the strength of the ministry. Look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all energy. Listen to this. Why? That He powerfully works within me. Serving Christ is hard work. To really serve him, to really say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it on the line and I'm gonna f- follow you. What would you have me to do? How can I serve you? What can I do? There is a sacrifice there. People are going to disappoint you if you love them. There's gonna be days that it's agonizing. There's gonna be days that it's a lot of effort, a lot of work. It's mentally, physically hard. We need to trust in Christ. We need to trust in the strength that God provides to do the work of the ministry. There's a parable in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. And a talent was a huge sum of money. And in this parable, Jesus talks about three servants that are given different sizes of of sums of money. Think of it like a million dollars. One is given five million. One is given two million. One is given one million. One that's been given five five talents goes and invests it and doubles it and comes back. The one who's given two talents goes and he invests it and he comes back. And the one that's given one, he hides it. Everybody remember this? He hides it. And when the master comes back, he goes out with the shovel, you know, he digs up the coffee can and he says, here you go. It's safe and secure. And the master says, you wicked, worthless servant. And he threw him into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a hard parable. And I don't have time to, to teach all of it today. But I do want to say this. There is one of the things that we can learn from this parable is that there is a real struggle. There's a real challenge. There's a real uh, challenge for us to say, I'm not that five talent guy. I'm not that two talent guy. I'm a, I'm a one talent dude. What good would investing my talent do? you to salvation, He has given you at least one talent. And He wants us to use it for Him. Oh, that we would serve Him. We're going to have a hymn of commitment in a moment and a prayer. And I just want to ask you this.
Are you investing that talent? Are you serving the Lord? Are you doing something? Perhaps you say, Pastor, there's something that I want to do, but I don't know how to say it. You can ask me. I might say no. I might say, you know what? Let's think about it. Let's pray about it. I might say, you know what? I have been waiting and praying that somebody would do that. But don't put it in your can and hide it in your field. All of us have a place and a challenge and an opportunity. All of us have a scope in which God has called us to serve him. Perhaps this morning, God has been working in your heart and you know that you need to make a decision for him. You know you need to trust in Christ. You know that he has saved you and you want to make that public. You want to say, I am a believer. I've asked Christ to be my savior. I'd invite you to come and to share that with us. Perhaps you say, I I want to be baptized. It's time to follow Christ publicly and to be baptized. Would you come and and let us know that? Perhaps there's another decision or just prayer. We invite you to, to do that during this time. Don't walk away after hearing this message and get out your shovel and bury that talent. Let us all be servants for Christ. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you, Lord, for the joy to be able to serve your kingdom, to be able to serve our church, to be able to to serve in the association, to be able to serve in the state. Father, I just pray that you help to keep me in, in a heart of joyfulness, help all of us to serve the Lord with gladness. Father, may we be willing to serve. There's always something that you have called us to. Father, I pray now that you would help motivate us, encourage us to be servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.